Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why NASA doesn't launch rockets in the rain and why llamas are so promising for human virus protection. We'll also answer a few listener questions about why things get cold when they're wet, when you're chewing mint gum, and when you blow air through narrowed lips. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Have you ever wondered why NASA won't launch rockets in the rain? In essence, it's because a rainy rocket launch is a whole lot riskier than a rainy picnic. Last weekend, NASA successfully launched a crewed rocket from American soil for the first time in nearly a decade. You may have been one of the millions of anxious and excited people watching the historic event when SpaceX's Falcon 9 launch vehicle and Crew Dragon capsule transported astronauts Doug Hurley and Bob Behnken to the International Space Station. It was especially exciting considering that the launch had been scheduled for earlier in the week, but it was canceled or scrubbed due to rain. So why does light rain stop a launch? Well, there are several reasons, but lightning is the main one. When NASA launches a rocket, it leaves behind a trail of condensed water vapor. In humid conditions, this trail of water vapor can extend for miles. And as anyone who's had to leave the pool during a lightning storm knows, water conducts electricity. That means that miles-long contrail is basically the world's biggest lightning rod. And that is bad news for sensitive electronics aboard a spacecraft. That's what nearly spelled disaster for the Apollo 12 mission, which was the second crewed mission to the moon on November 14, 1969. Everything was go for launch, even though it was overcast and rainy at the launch site. The Saturn V rocket was the most powerful launch vehicle ever built, so NASA engineers were confident that it could punch straight through the weather without any issues. As it turns out, even rocket scientists can make mistakes. 36.5 seconds after launch, when the rocket was more than a mile up, the crew on board saw a flash. Lightning. Almost immediately, flight instruments in the command module began failing, and both mission control and the launch vehicle lost all measurement readings. Basically, the rocket went blind. Then, 30 seconds later, lightning struck again. Both times, the bolt of electricity followed the contrail all the way back to the launch pad. Over the next few minutes, the Apollo 12 crew calmly tried to diagnose multiple systems failures. The mission was saved by a 24-year-old flight controller named John Aaron. He had seen these specific failures during a simulation years before. His simple solution of switching an obscure instrument to auxiliary power ultimately saved the Apollo 12 mission and earned him the famous moniker of Steely-Eyed Missile Man. He went on to be instrumental in saving the Apollo 13 mission, too. So the next time a rocket launch is scrubbed due to weather, just know that decision is much better than the alternative. In the fight against the coronavirus, scientists are turning to llama blood. That might sound super random, but actually vaccine researchers have been interested in llamas and their unusual immune systems for decades. Here's why we think they can help fight human diseases. It all started in the 1980s when scientists discovered a strange quirk in the llama immune system. See, to fight invaders like viruses, the immune system produces antibodies. Those are proteins that recognize and latch onto specific invaders so they can be neutralized and removed. Antibodies are made up of protein chains. Like, imagine you have three pieces of licorice. You lay two of them side by side and pull the tops away from each other to form a Y. 
Those would form what are called the heavy chains of the antibody. The tips contain genetic information for the invader they were supposed to neutralize. Then take that third piece, break it in half, and lie each half alongside the upper branches of that Y. Those are the light chains. And that's what human antibodies look like. But llama antibodies don't have those light chains. They're just the two pieces of licorice. That makes them way smaller than human antibodies. That small size helps them burrow into places where conventional antibodies can't penetrate, which might make them more effective. But what's even more exciting, you can take these small antibodies and even fragments of them called nanobodies and stitch them together to create super antibodies. That's been done before. In 2016, researchers immunized a llama named Winter with spike proteins from MERS and SARS, which are two types of coronaviruses. Winter's immune system produced antibodies, which the scientists extracted and daisy-chained together into a super antibody that could fight both of the viruses. This year, they revisited that super antibody to see if it was effective against the novel coronavirus. And it was, at least in a petri dish. It still has to be tested on humans. But llamas are good for more than just fighting coronaviruses. They've also been on the front lines of the fight against influenza. The influenza virus mutates rapidly, which is why you need a new flu vaccine every year. Many researchers think that llama antibodies could help us bioengineer super antibodies that could target multiple strains of the virus at the same time. That would bring us a step closer to a universal flu vaccine. This research holds a ton of promise, but it's important to manage our expectations here. It's still early, and while engineered llama antibodies have been effective in animal trials, the human immune system can be a little finicky. But the technique holds promise, and if it does work, we will all be in debt to the llama. We have a trio of listener questions today. Joshua, Bracia, and Lickit all asked questions on a similar theme, cold things. And considering that summer is around the corner here in the Northern Hemisphere, I figured I'd answer them all together. First off is Joshua, who writes, When you're chewing minty gum, why is water, or any drink, so much colder? There's this old winter fresh gum commercial from childhood that's permanently lodged in my brain. It goes, It's a scorching 98.6 degrees inside your mouth, but inside a winter fresh mouth? And then singers go, it tastes much, much cooler. Anyway, that's my that's my singing. But regardless of why my brain has held on to that particular memory, you'll notice that it just says it tastes cooler. Minty gum doesn't change the temperature of your mouth, just your perception of temperature. That all comes down to a receptor called TRPM8. TRPM8 is how you're able to perceive cold temperatures, and it just so happens to trigger in the presence of menthol, too, which is the cooling compound in mint oils. Mint isn't the only flavor that can hijack your temperature receptors, either. The burn of alcohol or hot peppers triggers heat receptors in the same way. Water tastes even colder when you've been chewing mint gum because the menthol has already sensitized your cold receptors, so the cool water feels even cooler. Speaking of cold water, Bracia wanted to know, why do things feel cold when they're wet? In this case, the objects actually are colder than the surrounding air. That's all thanks to evaporation. You know how sweat helps to cool you off? Well, that's because when water evaporates off your skin, it takes heat with it. To get really granular about it, water molecules on a surface are always moving around and running into each other. 
If one of those random collisions sends a molecule shooting off with enough speed, it escapes into the air and takes its energy with it in the form of heat. So wet surfaces feel cold because that water is actively evaporating and taking heat along for the ride. Our third and final question comes from Lickit, who asks, Why does the air we exhale change from hot to cold depending on the size of the opening we make with our mouth? This one's a little more complicated. There's a principle in fluid dynamics called the Venturi effect that says that when a fluid, like air or water, flows through a constriction, like the constriction of your lips, there's a drop in pressure. And whenever there's a drop in air pressure, surrounding air molecules rush in to fill it. So when you blow air through the small opening of your lips, you're mixing the hot air from your lungs with the cool air in the room. This drop in pressure doesn't happen when you blow with a wide mouth, so that air still feels warm. Thanks for your questions. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about why rainy days make you sleepy, how dogs can be annoying teenagers too, whether fat-burning foods are a real thing, why some psychopaths are killers and others are CEOs, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that rain delays rocket launches because rockets leave behind a massive trail of water vapor, and that basically makes them a giant lightning rod. Now, I did not watch the rocket launch, did you? I did. It was really, it was really cool. I actually was kind of happy that it got scrubbed on Wednesday because that meant that on Saturday I could put it on the big screen. My boyfriend and I could watch it sort of like it was a sporting event, like the commentary in the background definitely felt like it was like Super Bowl Sunday or something. Nice. (laughs) And we learned that llamas could be the next big thing in human virus protection. That's because they have really tiny antibodies that can be stitched together to make super antibodies. And those super antibodies could fight against a whole bunch of viruses at once. You know, my grandpa lived in rural California when I was growing up and he had two llamas and we would walk the llamas. I will tell you, llamas really don't like being walked. They don't like being told what to do whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Fun facts about Ashley. Wow. (laughs) And we also learned that water feels colder when you've been chewing gum because menthol hijacks your temperature receptors. Wet surfaces feel cold because the water is evaporating and taking heat with it. And blowing through narrow lips turns the air cold because you're mixing that warm air with cool air from the room. One cool way to test this is to use a straw and hold your hand out at the end of the straw and blow through the straw. Feel how warm the air is and then keep your hand there, move the straw away and blow again. And you'll feel that it's colder because when you blow through the straw, it doesn't mix with the room air. But use a reusable straw. Hashtag save the environment. (laughs) I literally did that when I was testing this out. So can I say how miserable I was this entire time you were talking about things feeling cold because of my office setup right now? Why are you? Does that mean you're too hot or too cold? So I moved into a new house last weekend. I'm thrilled. I'm very happy. I'm extremely fortunate. I love everything about it. However, the one piece of work we did is we removed a part of a wall and moved a vent. And it turns out that vent provided the only airflow to the corner bedroom that I'm using as an office. So my office is the only room in my house that is not air conditioned. There is zero airflow. I have to shut all the windows and doors and wheel my swivel chair over to my closet to talk into my closet to make the acoustics good for the podcast. It is, it's just, 
it's totally absurd. It's a totally absurd situation. I'm laughing about it, but I'm also literally sweating right now. So uh, I am very much looking forward to some cold airflow after this. And uh, listener, you're welcome for this huge sacrifice I'm making, wheeling into my closet with blankets draped over everything. I feel like I'm like a starting podcaster. This is this is totally just uh, 2020, man. Well, we did learn one thing that you could take away from this podcast, Cody. You can just just blow on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, just do that. <laughs> Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer and Cameron Duke and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a great weekend and join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.